0: Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb. When it comes to earthly power, no one holds more than a king. And because his power is far greater than earthly rule, the ultimate king is Jesus. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains the reasoning for Christ's royal titles and what they mean for us who follow him. From the Jesus you may not know, here's to introduce his message. Is he king of the Jews or king of kings?
1: Well, we have often heard uh, Jesus referred to as the King of Kings. But in the New Testament documents, we learned that, first of all, uh, he was uh, expected to be King of the Jews. That's what they thought he had come to do. And, of course, he did. But their understanding of it was rather warped and left uh, many uh, with despair instead of the hope that they had believed would be theirs when he dominated the Roman, uh, Roman kingdom. So we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to end up on a high note. He is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he is our Savior. We're going to begin in just a moment, but first I'm, I'm obligated, really, and feel very strongly about the fact that I just need to make an impassioned plea to you to get in on this opportunity to get this beautiful book, The Jesus You May Not Know. I know that this book will be a blessing to you. I, I've tested it out. We've changed nothing from the information we shared when we first began to teach this material. And um, I know that it opens your heart to a greater and deeper love for the Lord Jesus. I'd love for you to have this book. All you have to do is send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of May and ask for your copy. Just just do that. Just sit down and write a note. Um, tell us what turning point is meaning in your life. Give us your story. And then um, when you enclose a gift, be sure to say in your note, and please send me the book, The Jesus You May Not Know, and we will do it immediately. And we'll see that you get it as soon as we can get it to you. These are days when we have perhaps a few more hours to meditate on the important things of life. What better could you do than to meditate on the life of Jesus? The Jesus you may not know is yours for the asking when you send a gift today. Be sure to ask for your copy uh, and don't wait any longer because we're running out of May. May is almost gone and uh, that's when this resource opportunity ends. Well, today we examine part one of this question. Is he king of the Jews, or is he king of kings? You know, among the historic figures that have dotted the landscape of history over the years, a chosen few have been called great. These characters are like monuments on the pages of time, and they are kings who wielded extraordinary power or left an unusual mark. In the time of the Bible, we have Cyrus the Great, We have Darius the Great, Xerxes the Great, Herod the Great. Between the Old and New Testaments, the world was changed forever by the rise of Alexander the Great. And Europe also came under the sway of Charles the Great. There have actually been quite a few greats. Encyclopedias list more than 130 characters in history known as the Great. But here's the interesting thing. The greatest king that the world has ever known is Jesus, and he is never once in the Bible called great. There's no Jesus the Great. There's no Christ the Great. He's not on a list with 130 other greats because his greatness isn't derived from a comparison with other people. He is in a class by himself. He stands absolutely alone in history. He is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the king whose power is absolute, whose reign is infinite. He's an indescribable king, for he eternally reigns without beginning of days or ending of life. Yet he is said to have been born a king, and he died a king. He's the epitome of humility, and the Bible calls him the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's our Messiah. He's our intercessor the compassionate servant, the humble teacher, the selfless savior. But never forget, along with all those relational terms, he is the king. Without his supreme and sovereign rule, our lives would sink into chaos. Nothing can stabilize our emotions like remembering his royal reign. He commands and he controls, and nothing is exempt from his preeminent power And that's why so many people find him the anchor of their soul. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign of all the earth. And today, as we look into his royalty, we're going to examine it in two ways. First of all, we're going to talk about five of his royal titles, and then we're going to look into his regal throne. Let's begin understanding that there are five different terms in the Bible that define the kingship of Jesus. First of all, he is called the King of the Jews. He is called the King of the Jews. Let's begin with our Lord's unusual title. There are two periods in the life of Jesus when he is referred to as the King of the Jews. Hardly any time in between those two periods and never in the Old Testament. He is called the King of the Jews at his birth Matthew says, And after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Local rabbis told them about Micah's prophecy of Bethlehem as the birthplace of Christ. And so the Magi traveled on to Bethlehem. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. He was the king. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him kingly gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We've all seen a thousand Christmas cards of the scene, but try to picture it in your mind. Strange visitors from eastern lands, bowing down in regal robes, excitedly opening gifts and worshiping Jesus as the king of the Jews. Even in his infancy, Jesus was a king. Others become kings upon the death of another, but Jesus was born a king that he might die for another, for you and for me. That leads to his death, where he is also referred to as the king of the Jews, almost without exception. No mention of that title between his birth and his death, but when you get to the passion narrative, we see Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate the governor, and he asked Jesus this question. He said, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, it is as you say. Addressing the mobs before him, Pilate shouted, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? What then do you want me to do with him who you call the king of the Jews? And they responded, as you know, crucify him. Crucify the King of the Jews. Pilate handed over Christ for crucifixion, along with a strange order for the executioners. A sign was nailed to the top of the cross bearing the words, King of the Jews. If you had passed the crucifixion scene that day, you would have seen that sign on top of the cross, King of the Jews. And the chief priests objected, and they demanded that Pilate change the inscription from, the king of the Jews, to he said, I am the king of the Jews. And I love what Pilate said. He said, what I have written, I have written. This was our Lord's title in his birth and at his death, uttered by the magi and the magistrates and the mob and the markings over his cross and the master himself, Jesus was king of the Jews. The Bible also tells us that he is king of Israel. In a similar way, Jesus is called the king of Israel. First person who ever called him that was a disciple named Nathaniel. One day in John 1:49, he said to Jesus, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel, John 1:49. Approximately three years later at the Lord's triumphal entry on Sunday, large numbers of people celebrated his arrival in Jerusalem. And what did they say? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Five days later, as he suffered on Golgotha, one of his enemies shouted sarcastically, if he is the King of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. As the King of Israel, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of the covenant that God made with David. In Second Samuel seven twelve and 16, we read these words, "'I will set up your seed after you, "'who will come from your body, "'and I will establish his kingdom. "'And your house and your kingdom "'shall be established forever before you. "'Your throne shall be established forever. "'The throne of Israel would be occupied "'by the king of Israel,' said the prophecy of Samuel." According to this and other scriptures, Jesus Christ is the only rightful, everlasting heir to the throne of David. And in a passage we often again quote at Christmas, I'm not getting a head start, but here it is. From the prophet Isaiah we read, For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now listen carefully. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Jesus is the rightful heir to the kingship of Israel because he comes through the lineage of David, and he now, according to the Bible, during that particular time, occupy the throne of David. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel, but the Bible also says he's the king of kings. This is our Lord's ultimate title of royal honor. We learn in Revelation 19 that when he comes the second time, This is how it will go. I'm reading a lot of Scripture today, but that's the best thing I could ever do from Revelation chapter 19. I saw the heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. I can't help but tell you what comes to my mind when I think of that. You know, if you've ever watched professional basketball games, sometimes college games, they wear warm-ups. And often on the outside of the warm-up legs are written words. Now, I'm not accusing Jesus of wearing warm-ups when he comes back. (laughs) But I am saying it says on his robe, written on the side of the robe will be this name, King of kings and Lord of lords. And when you see him, you will know it, but it will be identified because the scripture says it will be written upon his clothing. I know we live in a disturbed world without a whole lot of hope sometimes if you look around you. None of today's politicians or leaders or villains or rogues will ever, ever gain supreme authority, not even the coming Antichrist. All of them are going to falter. All of them are going to fail for only Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I don't know about you, I sleep better when I think about that. I try not to watch the news before I go to bed. (laughs) I don't know what the right time is anymore to watch the news during the day. I don't like to watch the whole thing. I like those little capsule reports. But what I know is this, no matter what's happening, I'm glad he's my savior. I'm glad he's my shepherd. I'm glad he's my friend. But I'm also glad he's the supreme commander of the universe and beyond. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He's king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of kings, and the Bible says he's king over the whole earth. When he returns, Jesus will be known as king over all the earth. If Revelation 19 is the New Testament's most dramatic description of the second coming, there's a passage you may not know about. You should write down and read it sometime. Zechariah chapter 14. Is considered the Old Testament counterpart to Revelation 19 here's what it says I will gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights on a day of battle on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west it will be a unique day a day known only to the Lord On that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem, half of it to the east to the Dead Sea and half of it to the west to the Mediterranean Sea in summer and in winter, and the Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. Some passages, it appears like the kingdom of God is in the future, and some passages, it seems like the kingdom of God is now. And I can get into arguments with some of my theological friends about the kingdom of God. Is it now, or is it then? I think the confusion clears up when we remember the sequence of the two comings of Christ. Jesus came the first time as a redeeming king, and he is coming the second time as a reigning king. He came the first time to establish a spiritual kingdom, his church, to take the gospel to the world. And when he comes again, he will establish a political and a governmental kingdom to oversee the world for a 1,000 years. The kingdom was inaugurated when he came the first time. It will be consummated when he comes again. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is my king. And finally, The fifth name for his kingship, he's the king of glory. Let me set this up for you because this name, I believe, has a specific historic context. We know that when Jesus was in heaven, before he came to this earth, he was cohabiting with the Father and the Holy Spirit in his eternal reign. One day, the Father I'd like to personalize this a little bit, came to his son, and he said, Son, we need to take care of the problem down on earth. We need to go take care of the sin problem, and there's only one person who can do that, and it's you. And I believe I hear Jesus saying, Lord God, my Father, I am willing. And the Bible says, Lo, in the volume of the book it is written, I have come to do your will, O God. So Jesus came down here, and for 30-some years, he lived on this earth in perfection. And they took this one from heaven, and they nailed him to a cross. And he died, and he was buried, and he rose again. And for 40-some days, he was on this earth, demonstrating that he was indeed the resurrected Savior. And at the end of that time, it was time for him to return to his home. He didn't come here to stay. It was a round trip he took. And he was called back to heaven. The Bible says, out on that same mount to which he will one day appear the second time, Jesus ascended into heaven. And the angel said to the disciples, why are you so upset about this? This same Jesus that you have seen go up is going to come back. And We often leave the story there, but we don't ever stop to figure out what it was like in heaven when Jesus got back home What do you think it was like? Well, I think I know what it was like because I believe the psalmist Prophetically tells us what it is like I believe the psalmist tells us that it was like this Psalm 24 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And he walked back into heaven and he sat down because his work was finished. He is the King of glory. Years ago, Someone told me about another pastor in this town whose name was S.M. Lockridge. He was an African-American preacher who was known far and wide for his incredible oratory when he preached. I was young and called him up one day and asked if I could come and meet him. Now, I went to his church and I met him And I said SM. I want you to come to my church and preach and if it'd be all right. I'd like you to bring your choir and SM Lockridge came with his choir and we had a night. I'll never forget I mean they lit the place up and then he got up and he preached one of his famous sermons and the title of the sermon is that's my king I wish I could show it to you. I actually tried to find the video of it, but video back then wasn't very good So I'm going to just give you one paragraph from his sermon. This is kind of how it went. This is what he said He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's honest. He's unique. He's unparalleled He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent He's the grandest idea in literature. He's the highest personality and philosopher. That's my king. He had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There's nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. I love that part right there. Hmm. He said... He said you can't impeach him and he's not going to resign that's my king Tell you what men and women you can do a whole lot less in your life than getting to know who jesus is as your king He's in charge In those days when you feel like everything's gone every which direction But the one you thought it should go You just need to stop and look up into heaven and say thank you dear god That jesus christ is in control and I might not understand what's going on right now, but he's my king Those are his royal titles. Let me talk with you, secondly, about his regal throne. Wouldn't you love to see how it looks in heaven right now? Wouldn't you like to see what Jesus is doing there? Wouldn't you like to be able to have a little short video clip of what's going on in heaven right now? Well, I can't give you the video clip, but I can give you a pretty good description because our Lord is in heaven, enthroned, I wish I could take the time to read to you from Isaiah chapter 6 or Revelation chapter 4 how he is described, but you can do that. It's pretty impressive. No video could ever capture the majesty of the enthroned Jesus. And the Bible says that you and I are to not lose sight of that. Colossians 3 says, if you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on these things. So let me ask you a question I had to ask myself this week. When was the last time you meditated on the enthroned Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father? Just sat there and allowed your mind to picture that the God of the universe who created us with the word of his mouth and his son, Jesus Christ, seated together in glory in all of their majesty, totally in control of all that happens. I echo the words of S.M. Lockridge. He's my king. And everything's all right because he's still on the throne. Amen. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no higher one to whom you can appeal. And uh, what a thrill to know that you, whoever you are, if you know Jesus Christ, you have access to that person. You can talk to him. And you can talk to him wherever you are in whatever situation. I know some of you have been talking to him pretty strongly here recently because of all that we've been going through. But what a thrill to know he's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. More about that tomorrow as we wrap up these questions from the book, The Jesus You May Not Know. Let me remind you again, there's a beautiful study guide that goes with this series. It comes with personal and group questions. Uh, some leaders' information at the front of the of the study guide. But mostly, this is made for you to use in interacting with the material about Jesus. You can get the major book with a gift of any size to Turning Point over these next couple of days. And then you can order the study guides that you want for your small group. Get the book, the study guides. You may want to get the CD package so you can go back and listen to every one of these teachings. And then get Um, together—right now you're probably doing it through Zoom or some other way—get together and study Jesus. You can do that to your blessing, and it will change your life. Jesus does that. He changes lives. He makes us different than we were before we get involved with Him. The Bible says, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. So make sure you get your gift in the mail today and your request in the mail today. The Jesus You May Not Know is only available for two more broadcasts. So be sure and get your request in today. Tomorrow, part two of Is He King of the Jews or King of Kings?
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Jesus You May Not Know, please visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's new book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's written to help you reconnect with Christ and rediscover the joy of your salvation. And it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard Version and New International Version, as well as in standard or large print in the New King James, filled with helpful notes and articles by Dr. Jeremiah. Get the details when you contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible Strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount. Or personal or small group studies with our convenient one click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, Visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society.